He was able, he couldn't remember his kids' names, but he could still strum along, play songs, and, and sing the lyrics, which is absolutely amazing, isn't it? Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. In addition to speaking at caregiver conferences and webinars, I also work one-on-one with caregivers to help them find responses to the often confusing and sometimes difficult behaviors that come with a dementia diagnosis. And I'm her husband, Mike. I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And maybe we'll share a laugh or two because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. No, 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 I won't forget the wine. You know, every day we hear about new and interesting ways that people have found and or developed to engage those with dementia. And I know you often say that your time as a caregiver often was creative problem solving on the run. Absolutely. You know, people use things like sorting nuts in bolts. Um, Lorenda Vaney, who was on our podcast, uh, works with Legos. Uh, People use vintage magazines to connect with people from the past. Today's guest has a background in occupational therapy and a passion for history, metal detecting, and relic hunting. He has created a unique, fun, and effective reminiscence program for seniors by using the artifacts found. We are pleased to welcome Mr. Steve Kiley. Steve, thank you for being with us today. And we are really curious about, you know, how this came about. And I imagine you have some stories to share with us and our listeners as well. Sure. Thank you, uh, Bobby. And thank you, Mike, for having me on the uh, podcast. I did listen to some of the episodes and, uh, you know, it's a great service you're doing. So thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be on. So, Steve, tell us what, how you got started. And what is memory detecting? Sure. I mean, my background, as you mentioned, is in occupational therapy. I joined the uh, military, the Army, and I wasn't sure if I was going to go down the physical therapy route or the occupational therapy route, but I did choose occupational therapy. Um, And I've been working, you know, in the VA hospital system for many years and was activated during a desert storm and so forth. But my time at the VA hospital, obviously, I worked with a lot of patients with dementia. Now, this is sort of a, not a step one, step two process here. About five years ago, I started metal detecting. And I enjoy, like you said in the intro, history and old artifacts and so forth. And it just came to me that maybe there's a tie, you know, to take these artifacts and create a reminiscence program for seniors. And that's what I've been doing now for the last two or three years. So what kind of things appeal to a senior that you're finding? Well, that, that's the beauty of it. I mean, I really enjoy the history of things, right? And so you can Google search and learn a lot on the internet. But when I bring them out to the seniors, it's, um, for lack of a better word, it seems to, to light them up. You know, you talk about old milk bottles, for instance. And then all of a sudden, Bob, you said that in an email to me at one point. You said, it seems like a pretty good idea to have people tell their stories. Well, all of a sudden you're hearing these stories about when the milk delivery person came to my house and me and my, my brother used to fight over who could get to the, the bottle first to get to the cream on the top of the milk bottle, you know, that type of thing. 
Um, so you do hear a lot of interesting stories based on people's backgrounds. You know, marbles. That's another great one. Um, marbles. You, you bring the artifact in, you talk about marbles, and all of a sudden, people are just lighting up about, yeah, I remember as a kid, I used to play. We used to draw the circle in the sand, in the dirt, and play different games. So it just depends on the artifact, but it does open up people to a lot of different memories of their past, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So I would imagine that bringing something and they can sit there and they can touch and they can feel it would maybe create some different ideas in their head or memories in their head as opposed to looking at a picture. I, I You know, the touching and the feeling, I'm sure you can see reactions that are much different than just talking about something. Absolutely. Yeah. One metal thing that I know got lost a lot was a skate key. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good one. <laughs> we actually have that. I have that in one of the programs. And there's a big debate on, let me see. Yeah, I have it. I don't know exactly. Is it a skate? I do a what? what is it, right? And that's a lot of fun. So I pass it around. As you said, Michael, it's a tactile thing, right? So we pass it around. Now, is it a skate key or is it a clock winder? And to tell you the truth, I'm not 100% sure but Bobby, either one of those starts people talking about, you know, that artifact. So that's that's actually a pretty good example. Well, you know, I lost a lot of them. <laughs> I lost a lot of them, and ended up using the pliers uh, to tighten my skates. Um, you know, it didn't matter how many times you put it on a shoestring and put it around your neck; they they got lost. <laughs> but yes, it's you never know what's going to resonate with people. So I can, you know, I remember one gentleman sitting in the back, kind of a flat affect, you know, sitting in the back, not really engaged. But then all of a sudden I show an image, it comes with a PowerPoint presentation too. So I, not only do I bring the artifact, but also images in the background as sort of context. And uh, one thing was, you know, a little bit different here, but a shotgun shell. And now again, he was pretty quiet sitting there, but all of a sudden he lit up, you know, started talking about how he used to go hunting with his... Um, father and uh, some of the stories about their hunting activity. So anyway, you never know what's going to, what's going to resonate with people. Now, this probably doesn't um, get dug up, but I know it gets a lot of chatter when you're talking to women. It's a pair of saddle shoes. Saddle shoes, you're right, has not come up. But I've learned a lot about fashion. You know, I found, believe it or not, metal purses, uh, old pocket purses, I guess, made out of metal, which I had no idea that was the case. Saddle shoes, what were they made of, out of, Bobby? Um, they were, I imagine they were a leather yep. shoe, and they, the, most of it was white, and right across the arch, it was black. Okay. And I think every young girl of a certain age had a <laughs> pair of saddle shoes. In fact, I just recently posted on Facebook a picture of me as, as a very young child, maybe four or five years old, sitting on my dad's car in my, a pair of saddle shoes. And that got a lot of attention. And somebody even suggested that we find out if they're still available in each buy a pair um, <laughs> because they bring back <laughs> memories. I mean, it, it, was, it was almost part of the little girl's uniform of right. the day to wear these sh saddle shoes. If you see an image of that, that does bring you back, right? So those saddle shoes... Mm -hmm. has a power in your neurological system. You know, all of a sudden you're going back to when you were of a certain age. And they say neurologically, the 
memories when you are between the ages of 10 to 14, maybe even 15, are the most po uh, powerful because they're the most emotional. So it seems to be true when I do this program, the things, the toys, or maybe the early fashion, uh, all those things seem to be things that they really hold on to and they can remember the fine details, just like you did in a way with those saddle shoes. So it's amazing. You know, it's powerful stuff. Well, one of the things that happens, Steve, is that, you know, these brain diseases, they affect from the outside in and the memories are built from the inside and work their way out. And that's why a lot of dementia folks, their memory from now mm. doesn't work, but their memories from when they were young, yes, they do work. Yes. So, you know, that's one of the things that music does. Music reaches in to... Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember Sherman and Peabody. Sure. But the Wayback yeah. Machine. <laughs> yeah. So the music acts as yeah. a Wayback Machine, and and engages them, and in a lot of cases brings them into the here and now. So um, it's I, I can see that happening with things from teenage years um, on back to uh, what do they mm. call it, tweens and late adolescence. I would never have thought to bring something like a milk bottle, but that's absolutely, you know, amazing and touching. So Steve, you mentioned earlier that marbles seem to be the one thing that generates a lot of conversation. Now, being a person that never, ever played marbles, I'm just wondering what kind of conversations come up when the marbles come out? Yeah. And, and like you, Mike, uh, that wasn't a game that we played when, when I was, uh, you know, growing up either. And um, I played marbles. You, you, you did, Bobby? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I um, hear the details. So, Mike, we hear the people, the exact, you know, children that they were playing along with. You know, it's almost like when they tell you this, these stories, you get brought in to that time. You know, it's almost uh, so details of the bag, that the pouch that the marbles were in, the size of the marbles. They could tell me all about, one, oh, no, that's a shooter. And that's a nib, things I never knew about, which is awesome for me because as a person who enjoys, you know, uh, artifact finding, this is now creating even more uh, information that I didn't know. So they get lit up by it. Um, all the details come out, who they played with. And you know what? Going into the program, I honestly thought it was boys. And there's Bobby telling me that she played. But uh, I actually thought it was mostly boys that played marbles. And I found out very shortly after program number one or two that uh, not only did the uh, girls play, but they were proud of the fact that they often beat the boys. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it was, uh, uh, yeah, you hear a lot of details about the game itself and, and the types of games that they played, which there's a lot of different games. So, yeah, it's, it's fun to learn those kinds of things. Yeah, my, my days as, as a youth were flipping baseball Same cards. Same thing. I don't know if you ever did Same that. Same thing, Michael. Yeah, and we used to, oh, man, you know, I won't go down that path, but we didn't know the value of them. So we used to scale them, you know, against the wall and we get yes. very competitive about this. And I was pretty good, I guess, cause I had a whole big box of them and they were all damaged. And I find out later that if that uh, Roberto Clemente was in better shape, it would be worth a lot of money. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, live and learn. Now, do you use baseball cards at all? No, no, that's not. Um, so most of the items that I bring in, so I literally bring in like four, totes of uh, different artifacts. I go through 50 different items, right? Um, they're all either metal 
or, you know, um, glass, right? So old bottles or old metal things that I find. Well, one of the, one of the things I sometimes recommend for keeping uh, somebody busy when you're dealing with the men is um, using nuts and bolts and sorting them. So I would imagine that any kind of tool that you would bring up, maybe a wrench or something, uh, would also bring back some memories for some of the people as well. Yeah, perfect example. Just did a, a program at an assisted living facility, and one of the items that you find that were fairly common back uh, you know, in the 50s and the 40s was a pocket knife. And I said to the group, I said, you know, you don't find these pocket knives. No one, hardly anyone carries a pocket knife anymore. And a gentleman from Maine reaches into his pocket, and what did he have in his, in his pocket was a pocket knife. So we all, we all laughed about that. I can remember when my brothers got their first one for their birthday, and I wanted one too. Um, <laughs> and we would pick up a, a, a stick or a branch and start whittling. And, of course, um, we didn't have the talent to do, you know, create little animals out of it or something. But it was, it was kind of a rite of passage to have that. And as if you might not, you may not have guessed, I was a bit of a what they called a tomboy at the time. Um, <laughs> but I had three younger brothers. I had an older sister who didn't have time for me, so I spent a lot of time with the boys. That's awesome. But there, there are some good memories right there for you, no doubt about it. Absolutely, just talking about it. Yep, gets you. Uh, I call it lit up. There's a lot more going on. And Michael, you mentioned the the. Um, which you obviously know a whole lot more, but I just saw a video on how the brain functions and how, like you said, even people like Glenn Campbell, who obviously had um, dementia, he was able, he couldn't remember his kids' names, but he could still strum along and play songs and, and sing the lyrics, which is absolutely amazing, isn't it? How you know the brain is wired and what's, what's still there and how we go back to those memories or how it's automatic and what's not automatic. It's, it's just amazing stuff. Well, I've mentioned on, on this podcast before that, um, you know, you go into the deepest, darkest corners of the world and rhythm mm. and in some respects, music play a part of life, right? Mm. Banging on logs, uh, you know, the cavemen. And if you think about it, you know, in your mother's womb, you hear a heartbeat, you hear breathing patterns, you hear, you know, chewing and swallowing and mm. machinations of the stomach and whatnot. So even before you're born, there is rhythm. And then when you're born, right, mom holds you up against her and you hear the breathing and the heartbeat mm. and so on and so forth. So rhythm and music are all part of us mm. from the very, very earliest stages of cognition. Mm. Um, so, and again, the brain diseases work from the outside in, and so it's going to take a long, long time to get to that memory, to erase that memory. Mm. Yeah, and I've seen videos like you have, um, and you're probably part of that, but to see how, talk about how people light up, that you know, people who have severe yes. dementia, and all of a sudden they're listening to songs that they sang when they were, a child or an choir, and the, oh my goodness, what comes out, and you're just like, wow, that was there. How is that there, huh? Because it doesn't, we don't see it right now. We don't see it, but it was always there. Yeah. Right. And by what you're doing, you're reconnecting with those deep uh, memories in the same way. 
and giving people options in how to, as you say, light up the person in their care. Um, mm. And I love the term memory detecting, because if we can find a way to connect with the past, mm. we can hear these wonderful stories. And Steve, I wonder if, if you have a particular memory of one of the bottles or the marbles or something you took in and brought out a particular memorable story that was that stays with you sure i mean i can remember probably every program that's the beauty of it when i drive away i get to drive home and i think about what just happened and almost every i think every time i do a program there is something someone tells a story and it just strikes a chord so specifically i would say this one lady um I was doing a program. We were talking about milk bottles. And again, she just started to talk about how she worked on the farm. And she used to go to Canada. And she used to work on this farm. And she used to milk the cows and all of that. So that, you know, that's just one little example. Another gentleman, I found something that I didn't know exactly what it was. But it was a, it was called the, for the pocket watches, which we don't use pocket watches as much, obviously, today. But that was a fairly common thing to have on your person. And I had this thing. I didn't really know what it was, but I knew it was, had to do with pocket watches. Well, what it was is you put, when you worked on those pocket watches, you put it in this thing and you were able to manipulate the parts and the gears inside. So uh, he started to tell me about how his family was involved in fixing pocket watches, you know? And so we all learned, all of us, about what this item was. So every program, there's stories and multiple stories just like that. And you never know what's going to resonate with someone. Um, but it's a lot of fun trying to find out, you know. Well, Steve, be, um, before we, we come to the end of the podcast, I want to bring up that there are free monthly activities and resources on your website. Yeah. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I've been doing a live program now for a few years here locally in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. But we just start, well, actually, we're starting July 11th, um, a membership program. So we're going to dig deeper. It's a 52-week-a-year uh, program, mostly targeting activities directors who, you know, a shout out to the activities directors at all these nursing homes and assisted living facilities. How important are they in the whole continuum of care? But that's a program designed for them, you know, so it's 52 weeks uh, a year. One week, uh, we're going to talk about a particular artifact and the next week, a new one. And then it's also four live programs that they'll have access to, these local programs that they'll have access to. But there is free resources online at memorydetecting.com, which just gives them, the activities directors, more tools and, and uh, more resources that they can have for free each month. And thank you for that. And we are going to put links back to I appreciate the, that. Uh, your page on our show website. Yeah, thank you. So the people can easily access it after they um, hear the program. But as we wind down and as we close out, what is one thing that you would really like to leave our listeners with? Oh, that's a good question. Very open question. Um, you know, I think when we work in healthcare, especially now, because I'm still working in healthcare. It's so easy and it's it's understood understood that we're also busy, right? But everybody, all of us, we all have stories to tell and this is one way to do it, but 
you know, just listening. It's a basic thing, but listening to these stories doesn't even take artifacts, you know, <laughs> but just uh, hearing someone for a little bit. So I think that's a, that's a takeaway. It's not directly correlated with what I'm doing, but, you know, we're all very busy and it's understood stressful, and especially in healthcare, but it's sometimes hard to do. But if you could just take a moment to listen to people's stories, that's a good place to start. And with that, um, I would certainly like thank you for being on the show. You've been an absolute joy. It's been fun. It's been informative. And yes, and thank you very much. And you've given me the idea, you know, when I'm talking to caregivers, and I can say, you know, if you want to connect with your loved one, ask them about some of the toys that they played with when they mm. were a kid. What was their favorite toy? <laughs> or what, what did they like to do when they played outside? Um, and, and, and I thank you for that. You know, thank you. And I know, uh, Mike, your, your dad was a veteran, Korean War veteran. And, uh, you know, I yes. worked at the VA hospitals and I worked with, uh, you know, many of those great men and women, uh, the Korean War, World War II and so forth. So, um, yeah, appreciate it for everything that that generation and all our uh, veterans have done for us. But, uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very, very much. And I think you're doing a great service here with this podcast. And, uh, maybe we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you. Absolutely. You can find more information about Steve and links to his website and Facebook page on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes and post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.